I'm Samantha Bove, and this is She's Too Much. This show is for the woman who's been told that she dreams too much, talks too much, cares too much, thinks too much, feels too much, needs too much. And I say it's about damn time that we are even more. Because that thing you think makes you too much is the exact thing the world needs more of. Carrie Honey is here today. We are so excited to have her because she's a dream analyst. She's an artist and she's an expert on the Eastern and Western archetypes that inspire our dreams and oracles. She bridges the gap between an appreciation for nature and the spiritual journey, which I love because they really are one and the same. She's the author of seven books that include dreams, ancient astrology, tarot's archetypes, and so much more. She's an artist whose music incorporates shamanic drumming with world chants to enhance your yoga and meditation practice. And she really, really is one of the best in the world when it comes to analyzing, interpreting our dreams and really exposing the importance of our dreams when it comes to our own spiritual journey and healing journey. So welcome, Carrie. I'm so excited to explore the thank topics you. of dream was with you today. Uh, thank you. It's nice to meet you and thank you for having me. Wow, you're so welcome. Okay, so before we dive straight into dreams, which I will tell you, I have honestly been calling someone like you in for years. I have had the... Oh, let's just call it a, quite a wild journey when it comes to my dreams and nightmares. And just, I have pretty much dreamed every single night and remembered it for the last, I would say, maybe six years or so, and have been truly waiting for someone like you to pull back the veil a little bit of what is going on here in our subconscious and how can we work with our dreams. So I have like a, a super special interest in this episode today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, you know that most people don't remember their dreams, like probably the vast majority. So what I find is that people that are, that are remembering their dreams are more already like tuned to the right brain. I know you talk a lot about intuition. So when we're, you know, like artists or healers or people that are, you know, operating more from a right brain perspective, they tend to, you know, remember their dreams, but we can certainly go in depth with, you know, why we don't remember and what's going on and... <laughs> Beautiful. But it would make sense, but based on what I know you do, that you would be one that would remember your dreams. Okay, and, and interesting. And one thing I want to just say from the get-go, too, is all dreams are good. And sometimes, you know, people will send me a nightmare, and I always give those types of dreams priority because I know they frighten the person who's sending it. But I'm always clapping for them because it's a, you know, nightmares are a positive sign that something very powerful is awakening so in every respect, and no matter how colorful, ridiculous, because in fact, we can talk a little bit about why dreams are ridiculous and how important that is. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter what the dream is, they're all important. That's a great sentiment to start off with. So before we dive in to the many, many ways we can explore our dreams and all of the things we'll get into, I'm just curious, how did you get here? doing dream work, helping people with this line of work. Tell me a little bit about your story and, and what led you to this moment. Well, you know, 
I would say that ever since I was very little, I've always been very much aware of what I would call the metaphorical side of life, not the literal, you know, and I, and I always say, because I was also a, very, a poet, you know, and I remember my mom telling me as a little girl, and of course, I'm much older. So back then, little girls weren't supposed to write poetry. <laughs> you know, only men wrote poetry. But anyway, I feel like I always had that sort of uh, loose, not not lucid, but not not linear, not a focus that just didn't see the same thing everybody else was seeing. I was always kind of hearing the music behind what was happening. I was always, you know, feeling like life was more of like a painting. And and I had a sense that because I remembered my dreams and I actually was diagnosed with a form of epilepsy that explained why I was always able to be kind of more awake in my dreams or, you know, what was going on. But anyway, you know, it, it felt like I was, I learned about dreams. I was just born that way. And then, the, you know, as I grew up and studied and studied psychology and both Freud and Jung, you know, kind of, I, I appreciate both of them. And as I kind of like grew into it, I've just worked with them for so long. I've studied it for so long that it's, we spend half of our lives in that condition of sleep, you know, and there's a reason for it. And in my opinion, you mentioned that I do a lot with nature, right? You know, I have a lot of channels that are dealing with what, why we are, what the human journey means in nature's eyes, let's say. But, but I see dreaming as nature's evolutionary mechanism that allows us to not get caught up in the stasis that, that everyday life is trying to tell us is good. You know, don't change. You know, we see, we see mutability everywhere, but we don't believe we're supposed to change. And, and I feel like that's an, it's kind of a happy balance that we spend the day building walls that by night we dream and take down. <laughs> and right. we're meant to change. And I, and I feel like a lot of the discomfort that we have on this earth is, you know, our, we have the wrong relationship with change. We don't recognize that in nature there's certain things that are not sustainable. A hurricane will come through to return, you know, water temperatures to the optimal level that life would thrive. You know, things we call bad, a, fire, a wildfire, or things have to be sustainable. And without judgment, nature's healing itself. It's been doing it for billions of years. And yet we're human beings. We showed up seconds ago, and we think everything should be the way that we think it should be. And we think that we can allow things that are not sustainable, even among human beings. We believe that we can allow it to stay that way. And eventually it will erupt. And, and it seems like bad, but it's trying to go somewhere good. Like even the pandemic. You know, I always say like we were taken out of a, a very heavy consumerism and it was the first time many people considered what their life purpose was or why they're, you know, what they can do to make their life better. So I just am a, you know, I, I live in the just isness, but I do see dreams as a very important part of our, of our path. So that was one of my questions really is what are dreams, right? We've, we've all experienced it, but what is actually going on? in the mind and the body and the soul when we are dreaming? Well, first of all, when we're dreaming, we would say it's reality. Like we have no idea that it's not real. And in some ways you could say, well, maybe that's happening by day. Like when you think of people that talk a lot about manifestation and the power of, of thought to project and create, you know, it's the same mind uh, creating what it thinks it sees. And in some ways, you know, what we think we see is not really what's there, you know. So first I would say that. And I also, you know, call it the 24-hour mind, 
because the mind that, like what I notice when I'm doing dream work with people is I can start to see how they've constructed reality. So with that being said, there's, you know, there's no consensus or truth or absolute description of how the mind works, what consciousness is, what's happening when we dream. You know, I mean, we know that we can measure the REM uh, movement that creates the dream uh, wave. You know, we move through different waves uh, that are that can be measured on, you know, in EEG. And but we can't really say what's happening. But what I the way I how can I say it? <laughs> the model I would put forward is that as we're young, we're learning words. And every time we learn a word, it becomes a concept. And every time it becomes a concept, it starts to replace what's actually there. We, we get into really heavy judgment. And then if any part of our nature that would be would lead us to authenticity, which is a whole nother subject, which means, you know, nature designed each of us to be incredibly unique, even among our siblings. But anytime that part of our nature starts to, you know, have expression, and it's different from all the kids around us, and they make fun of us, and it pushes it kind of aside, it goes into sort of like a closet, let's say, that it become it can become the shadow, which is an archetype in dreams. It can give fodder to the type of dreams that we're going to have. So this left brain, because that's where the language center is in the Wernicke area, this left brain, logical, ego-oriented, survival-driven, like the mind is by day is, what's out of place? What's wrong? What can I fix? How can, you know, make that better? Like it, it doesn't know how to, it doesn't know the just isness. It doesn't know how to, how to get back to the idea that we're the guest and not the host, you know? We don't, we don't really have as much control like our bodies are doing all kinds of things without us knowing about it. We can't stop our breath. But anyway, so so the part of the mind that then it can become like self-limiting. It can become, it can get very conflict-oriented, meaning that because something's wrong, because the authenticity isn't, you know, flowing, it can, you know, start to create a lot of conflict. Life does not feel good. It can become painful. We can develop physical illness, blah, 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 blah. I see then the right brain, and there's actually some work that a guy, Julian Jaynes, a Princeton psychology professor, wrote a book a long time ago that I read, but he was, you know, making the case that the consciousness of a three-year-old would be similar to what the consciousness of early man or early humans, let's say, you know, would have would have been like, and that consciousness develops with language, and then the more consciousness develops, the more crusted, that would be a word I would use, you know, and self-limiting and like the past becomes the present and the future becomes the past, you know. So anyway, he felt that when people a long time ago in history would have been feeling connected to these inspirational realms, you know, what, what he actually did is he put a, um, they were doing a split brain epilepsy procedure. And when they separated, you know, they were like putting little things in the left brain, you know, they, they can tap areas of the brain and, and the person is still awake because it doesn't, the brain doesn't feel pain like, you know, other things in the body, but, and what's that? Oh, I feel this, or I smell, I smell a smell or whatever. When they were pressing this area in the right brain, that would correspond to the Wernicke area. Wernicke was the language center I mentioned. When they would press in there, the person would hear voices, they would hear music, they would hear, you know, they would, it was like something not me was, you know, filling me with inspiration or, you know. 
So, that, you know, that's why, and it gives me the idea that the right brain is really the dreaming part of the psyche. You know, it's very imagery driven. Like when we're walking down the road and a big red round object comes towards us, the left brain would go, oh, that's a ball. The right brain would go, but why is it on the road? And how is it like the earth? And the earth is round. And, you know, and so we're we're spending all day in this very literal, linear, you know, stagnant sort of perspective of the left brain, but we slip into a part of the mind that's more imagery driven, that would be the right brain. And it's not that we're unconscious when we're asleep, but aspects of consciousness or the brain, you might say, you know, abate. So the the sense of ego, the sense that this that, that logic determines what's right or can be real or not real. There's just certain parts of the brain that, in fact, I was just having, I just did an interview with somebody the other day that was talking about psilocybin and it's been proven that psilocybin does very similar things in terms of shutting down portions of the brain and allowing the expression of other portions of the brain. That's a lot like dreaming. So what's ha- So then we're in the, the, we're in the dream life and that sort of opens the door for those things that were shoved in the closet I mentioned before. And so they, you know, and I, I always call it kind of the Trojan horse. I don't know if you know the story of the soldiers of Troy, but in order to get inside the the walls of Troy, the Greek soldiers, I think, you know, built the little horse and jumped inside. And when they opened the door to accept the gift, they all came out. And <laughs> so, so I feel like that's where a lot of the ridiculousness of dreams, like it's almost like there's a, there's a way that this information has to make it beyond the walls of logic or the assumptions that cross the brain into, you know, a picture of the past. And, and, and I always say when somebody's giving me a dream, they'll hit the part where it gets really weird. Like this is where I really have to give Freud. I mean, obviously Freud was the one who really pioneered the study of the unconscious and what dreams might do. And I know he leaned more towards the sexual thing, which dreams are very sexual, but Jung kind of took it more down the path of, what it means in terms of, uh, you know, spirituality or, or authenticity, growth, whatever. But Freud wrote about something called condensation. And that's, and this, I think, too, shows how every single person on this planet is so creative and, and they have such genius at their access that they have access to it because their own brain is coming up with these beautiful metaphors of rich symbols, like, and I call them hybrids, you know, like, why does the duck have a blue, uh, you know, a blue race jacket on or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it will combine things. And if you stop and go, well, you know, the duck is like paddling through the emotions. Water represents emotions, you know, but then there's this like maybe competition sense that it's a racing jacket or, you know, so so that the mind is like using these images and synonyms of images and and hybrids and and it's having an experience that I feel is every bit as important as experience we're having by day because it's the psyche talking to itself again through the events that it's witnessing in a dream, believing it's every, very real. Every bit as real as what, what's happening during the day. So when people get to that part where it's real bizarre, that's the key. It's like that seems to always be when when the dream gets really weird, when you peel away the layers, you get the direction. The dream is helping us to move through conflict, maybe. The dream is helping us to allow that voice from childhood that would have made us, like you say, she's too much or, <laughs> yeah, you know, your whole thing about like, let it be what it is and celebrate it. And, and that's what's uh, trying to have expression. 
in our dreams. Okay, so now we're in this condition and having this dream. As we start to wake up, we wake up back into the left brain. And it, the left brain and whatever you want to call that, the psyche doesn't want to know that stuff. It shut it down. It thought it would impede its ability to thrive in the world because it was too ridiculous or it was, you know, it didn't uh, fit into the pattern of what everyone else is doing. Or So it's like as we wake up, the dream's lost to us. Doesn't mean that we haven't been affected by the dream because, you know, even like a few weeks later, what are, the material finds its way into experiential reality. And that's where, you know, I have like this enormous expect, respect for nature that, you know, that it has this, it's making us grow whether we like it or not, you know, through our dreams. Oh my goodness. Okay. I feel like you just set such an incredibly rich foundation for <laughs> your take on dreams and it's so supportive, right? It's the sense that nightmares, dreams, all of it, once you remember, once you don't, are impacting you in a positive way. And what I'm really hearing in this is part of the importance of the experience that we're having in our dreams is that essentially that left side, logical, more logic-driven side of us that is more attached to ego, let's say, that is the part that quiets down. So then you get to experience the fullness of these really sometimes radical, bizarre experiences without that judgment center of this is right or wrong, or this isn't real. And mm -hmm. like, for example, I'm just thinking about recently, I had a, a dream and it's, you're so right. When it gets weird is when mm -hmm. it seems like if you can remember, right, and interpret it, that's where some of the real wisdom comes in. And I had these, these women come out of the sky on kind of like UFOs. My sister and I were there and they come down and they say, okay, we're going to mark all of your hands with a purple marker. And if it turns blue, it means you have like five to six weeks to live, like you're infected with something. Mm -hmm. And so we say, okay. And so I'm praying. I'm like, oh my God, if it's one of us, let it be me and not my sister. So I'm, I'm there and my hand turns blue. And so, and it, I had been having in real life, like these chest pains to do something with my back and an issue I was having. And so they were like, oh yeah, well, it, you know, it makes sense. Your chest pains, you know, you have five to six weeks. It's not guaranteed, but <laughs> about. And so in the dream, the, I guess, because right, that ego center of logic of like, this seems a little unlikely, like, you know, what's the real science here? Like none of that's going on. I'm taking it as Full, it's this is happening. I'm really going to not be here in the next couple of months. And <laughs> when I woke up from that dream, it was so heavy and it was also so beautiful because yeah, I'm like, sister. why of my sister, how much I mm -hmm. care for her? And why am I still saying yes to things that I don't want to mm -hmm. do when I'm dying? Okay, like just okay. because. <laughs> okay. So that's, that's one, one way to look at it, which is, which is important. But the thing, the reason that people have a hard time deciphering their dreams is they're not literal. Um, and so, so, so like, in fact, when other people show up in our dreams, we think that it's about them. Like, oh, maybe I should contact them or like it, your sister's in the dream, but your sister in the dream has more to do with the side of you, you associate with her. So everything in a dream is like symbolic. So first of all, it's very common for people in, you know, when there's like maybe in their late 20s, going into 30s, once they're getting, once they're trying to solidify their paradigm in a sense that they, you know, are not like searching for the truth so much anymore. A lot of times those UFO dreams are, you can see it as the mind is questioning if the paradigm 
is otherworldly if it fits in on this planet, let's say. So, you know, these this is sort of like an initiation type dream that these um, characters, you know, so do you follow me on that? That, oh, that it's totally. really your mind, like exploring what how sound your paradigm is. That's what, okay. that's why we have a lot of these UFO dreams. Death in a dream. So I call it the 20 something phenomena because what happens is kids, they, they grow up in their family. They get a pretty good sense of who they are. They go to college. Then all of a sudden, they go out into the workforce in their 20s, early 20s, let's say. And all of a sudden, within 24 hours, they can be forced to behave a way that's not natural. Like the, maybe they get put in a supervisor role and have to reprimand you know, a subordinate. Or, and so during that period of life, they'll have like what I call the, the attack and being chased dream because everything in the dream is you, even the other people. And so this new character threatens the sense of you right and it's gonna hurt you because it's you didn't understand it and you know so it's chasing you around which brings me to, to the the idea of death because a lot of times in those types of dreams the person's just like all right i'm just gonna die i'm just gonna let him kill me or you know and it's kind of like what you're similar to what was going on in your dream death in a dream is transformation death is letting go of something that's outworn you know it's a very common theme to you know the symbols that would go with death, but it doesn't mean that death is coming. You know, not that you can't have prophetic dreams, which is a whole another topic. You know, there is there does seem to be like the what I call the third portion of a dream that can sometimes be prophetic. But but death in a dream overall is like the dying away of something that, you know, so like when that character's trying to chase us and we give in, it's we become we, we go ahead and adopt this new identity. You know, in the same way that sex in a dream it has more to do with like the the coming together, uh, merging, the integration of maybe the masculine and the feminine. You know, uh, for example, like we might have a, you know, we might be happily married. Uh, all of a sudden we're going to go on a job interview the next day or whatever. And lo and behold, that night we dream of our ex-flame, hot and heavy sex. Like what's that yeah. all about? Like am I, am I being, you know, unfaithful to my partner? Like what's going on? But what's that person in your life, that old flame, embodied self-love for you at one point. Like they get, they, the sun rose and set with them and whether you were going to, you know, be happy or sad or, you know, you gave them a lot of power, you know, for self-acceptance and love. And so here you are in the present and you're about to go on this job interview and you're really trying to get your confidence where you need it to be. And so that you might have a dream that's that kind of energy because you're exploring that. Does that make sense? Totally makes you're exploring sense. exploring it. So that's where I'm saying like sex isn't always sex. <laughs> it can be integration. Totally. And I think it's important to repeat something that you said, which is something I've always been curious about of these people in our dreams. Do they represent the people or do they represent us? And it sounds like what you're saying is they represent parts of us or the part of us that is in relation to the person or both? Well, that, you know, one of my books is called The Mind's Mirror because that's what dreams are. You know, it's a, it, it, everything is a reflection of us. So just because we might have a dream that was similar to what we watched on TV last night doesn't mean that the TV thing is all the dream is about. Like the mind is using 
people that we know, people that we don't know. There's a lot of unknown people that have a lot of importance in our dream, you know. It'll use the fodder of every day or whatever, but it's the it's the self having a conversation with the self. You know, it's like a self-exploration. So when other people show up in your dream, like your sister, what's an adjective you would use to describe her? Say loving. More loving than you? Mm, no, I'd say, I would say equally loving. What makes her different? Mm, one of you gets to live and one of you is passing on. Mm. So, you know, so so you don't so much think that it's just the relationship you have with your sister. It's what it represents to you. And the fact that, you know, one of, you know, like I said, that the whole dying thing isn't literal. It's just that some part that you consider of yourself, that rep, you know, standing next to this part that you consider your sister, it, there might have had to be a choice. You know, like it could be a commitment to something your sister demonstrates more loudly than you're demonstrating right now. Wow. That sort of thing. So that's so fascinating. Does that, does that answer your question? Like people. Oh my gosh, the, so much. Yeah. So people in our dreams are really still symbolic. Wow, that Which, was yeah. I was just Go gonna ahead. say, you know, it. It. I bring all this back into a philosophy for living because, in my opinion, all of life is like that. Like you know, life is our mirror too, and we're you know everything's propitious in the sense that the people that we meet on our path. You know, nature's trying to balance out extremes. So somebody who's got like a really big heart and a lot of patience might have to meet a person who doesn't. <laughs> you know, like it's about it's kind of taking from what's in excess to give to what's in deficient, and you know. But in the same way, that I I feel like the the things that we learn from studying our dreams and learning how learning the language of of the dream when we bring it back into daily life, it becomes a very strong philosophy for understanding how to live in the same wonder we bring to the dreamscape, the the same sort of like freedom and lack of control that we feel like we have to exert all the time when we meet other people, that we don't just go, oh, you're separate from me. You're that. You're the other. You're No, you're part of me. I'm part of you. We're meeting for a reason. Or I don't know if that sounds too woo-wee, but. Not at all. <laughs> bring it on. <laughs> this is, I mean, this is as wooey as it gets, right? But it, it's really not because you're right. Like this is such a large part of how we spend our time is sleeping and mm -hmm. the richness that we could really take away from these experiences is so deep and so profound. So tell me a little bit more about interpreting dreams. So I do uh, Reiki and consider myself an intuitive and a healer. I believe everyone is. And I've learned, I've, I've heard many different takes on interpreting symbols. So for me, I've learned like if I see a door when I'm working with someone, it's typically transition or some indecision. Like if it's a half open door, it's like, I don't know if I should go through it or not. And so I've kind of created my own, my own interpretation on symbols that I see. And so my question for you is like, if somebody is always, you know, finds themselves driving in a car, they're always in water or the common one is like their teeth are falling out. Are there meanings that you find are pretty universally true yep. after working with thousands mm -hmm. of people? And can you share some of that? I, I mean, th those hybrid symbols I was talking about, those can be very individually unique. But the overall, the theme, in fact, another one of my books is looks at sort of like the themes, uh, like eight different themes. And, and I use like mythology from around the world to describe sort of what, what's going on. 
So even if it's a different culture, they're still, you know, I find, you know, because I've been doing dreams with people from all over the world for over two decades. So I can see that the patterns are the same, the themes are the same. And one thing, like when you mention cars or on the water, the transportation symbols, first and foremost, show our motivation. Where are we going? How we're moving? Whether we're moving? Whether we're in, like if a car's lost somewhere in a, in a parking garage and we can't find it, you know, okay, what are we changing that we're not, we don't, we've lost our focus? Or if we're on a boat, okay, what are we doing in, in the emotional landscape? Because a lot of times the water can represent how we feel. Is it choppy? Is it calm? What's below the surface? That can relate to like what's kind of hidden away in the unconscious or in the deeper realms of the psyche. A car, are we driving? Is someone else driving? Is it out of control? Is it, you know, going up a hill? Is it going down a hill? You know, those those are, those would all tell me, okay, this is motivation that's being explored. So like a train, it always seems to, if we're on a train and we're jumping off, even though we don't even really ride trains in daily life, trains go follow a track. And it's only going in one direction and they're not easy, it's not easily changed. So that can relate to like people's expectations, other people's expectations and and I, so like in a cultures where family has a really strong influence on what the children can decide or as they become adults, they have a lot of those trained dreams. A bus, you know, with a lot of people, I see a sort of conformity. You know, that, that sort of dream will show up when, you know, you're kind of like you've given up authenticity to go with the, you know, the prevailing norm or trend or, you know, whatever. So, you know, so that so that's kind of like transportation symbols. And then like with the house, I see as a representation of the paradigm. And you're right on with the door. I mean, obviously, that's going from one place to the another. It can be closed. It can block. It can open. You know, ceilings can represent like limitations, windows, perspective. The different rooms can have a different meaning. Like kitchen, I see food representing like fulfillment on a broader scale, not just what we eat and my belly's full, but, you know, kind of how we nourish ourselves. So dreams that take place in the kitchen and things that go on in the kitchen can show us a little bit about, and and this goes for restaurants too, you know, so the upper levels can maybe be the higher ideas, the lower base, the basement, like definitely seems to appear when somebody's digging into subconscious, maybe, you know, pre, pre nightmare, (laughs) which is a good thing or, you know. And like, you know, the front yard is what we're putting out there that we want everybody to wave and believe is us. And the backyard is what, you know, where the lawnmower's underneath the tarp and, you know, people, the dirty side of us or the un, the disorganized or whatever. So, you know, on, on, in one sense, you can say, yeah, the dream symbols are not necessarily literal. But if you have that sort of poetic yeah. flair, you know, uh, the metaphor of it all, like if you stop and think, okay, let's not look at it literal. Like last night, I dreamt of a scorpion. I dreamt that there was different people that were, you know, trying to put their hand in some kind of thing. And I knew there was a scorpion in there and he was a weird looking scorpion. And, you know, and for some reason I was in, I was responsible for the people, the people's mm. well-being, you know what I mean? And for me, I just, you know, I know the scorpion is such a great archetype of, you know, I mean, we could talk a whole hour on, on the archetypes, but... <laughs> So that's why I'm saying, like, for me, obviously, even in, when I'm dreaming, I'm interpreting my dreams. But, yeah. you know, but if you ha- if you can just sort of look at the metaphor. Wow, you just clarified so much for me. So I have had this recurring dream for years 
where I lose control of a car and I fall off a bridge into a large body of water and presumably don't make it out alive. And in one of the dreams, it was a bus. And so now I'm thinking, wow, that was representing my feeling of really needing to conform at this certain time in my life and my maybe even like desire for a death to be associated with that in some way. Yeah, and what I would really concentrate on is the repetitiveness of the bridge, that that seems to be where you um, lose control. And so I would look at the two areas of your life that you're trying to bridge, like it could be a relationship, work, you know, and the bridge is kind of what's what's causing you to, uh, you know, lose control or, or move towards some necessary transformation. And you say that you're you're then going into a body of water, so it could be that you're not willing to go through the emotional maybe ramifications that would be involved. But even though it seems, you know, like it's this, a similar dream around the transportation symbols, which show your motivation and where you're going, it's that bridge that, that does that make sense? It's the bridge that's really what should make you stop and say, well, what's connecting one part of my life to another? What am mm. I bridging here? And recognize that that that's where the transformation needs to happen. Mm, oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, it's it makes so much sense. I feel like you just saw so deep into my <laughs> into my underworkings here because <laughs> I actually haven't had this dream in in a in the longest time that since it was coming up constantly, maybe like once a week for a period of a few years. And I definitely haven't had it since my ex and I separated. And it makes sense, like with the bridge of being like in the relationship, out of the relationship, mm -hmm. and really now looking back, knowing that like I couldn't really didn't have the capacity to deal with the emotions of unraveling that engagement and all that comes with it. But also like now it's very clear to me that the work I'm doing now and the way that I use my voice and how much passion I have for helping other women, you know, just connect deeper to their intuition, like literally what we're doing right now, that never could have happened, it, at least for me, in the constructs of the relationship that I was in. So, and that, and that goes back to what we were talking about before, that, you know, dreams become the safe place for us to, you know, explore ideas that maybe we don't want to face during the day. We dream about what we're not facing. And the whole death aspect is a clue that, some old part of you needs to die away. So the transformation may include letting go and releasing. Mm. So absolutely. So let's transition into nightmares because you have this enthusiasm and very like grateful approach to all dreams, like good, bad, different. And I would love to have that because I also went through a period of reoccurring nightmares after my dad passed and I was petrified to go to sleep. I like it took me probably like an hour to two hours in the morning to like unravel the reality of the dream versus like my waking reality. And even talking about it, there's a little sense of me that's like, oh, well, I'm talking about it maybe a little paranoia that I like could start having these dreams again. So just talk to me about your take on nightmares. Well, first of all, you use that word, you know, paranoia as if there's something that you should be afraid of, like it's a bad thing. And I think I was mentioning that nightmares are just such a positive sign. They're always indicating that something you're not tapping is trying to come out of hiding. So 
there's always like it's kind of like creativity like you have to you know it's an it's an inspiring process of opening in order to create something and and you kind of have to approach dreams the same way that the bad part of a dream or something that is disturbing that's a good word because it disturbs the order of the past the way you classify you know it's really something that you should meet with excitement like when i explain my scorpion dream like oh my god that scorpion can mean so many things liter- you know on face value it may have seemed like something bad but when you look at it it could be like the, the astrology sign scorpio and what it means about transformation it could be this you know scorpio people of the underworld you know how cool is that to meet them mm. like gilgamesh goes out and meets them <laughs> and he's like a hero you know like and and so there's nothing to be frightened of in a nightmare because it's it's probably the most powerful dream that we can have and we remember them specifically because they disturb us mm. when you consider like i said that attack and chase dream as nothing to be afraid of it would make logical sense that as another side of us is being pulled out to take control of of what we're doing it would be threatening to the more established side of us right and that's kind of you know the whole thing of nightmares because there's something there's an archetype called the shadow right like we dream of sometimes it can be as ugly as the devil you know like we're we're about to make some great breakthrough in life and the the devil pops up and, and scares us all back into our, our fears. But I would say, you know, somehow that devil is just like a part of you and the energy that it that it contains is all the more reason to unleash it because it, it has to do with your vitality. It has to do with your ability to be unique. You know, so it could be like, let's say somebody gets stabbed and there's blood or I've had, I remember someone tell me one time, Oh, I had this dream of like seeing you know, heads or dead bodies or something like in a bathroom or stall or like doesn't matter how how scary, how tragic, how bloody, how you know it, when we get when blood is drawn in a dream, whether we're being attacked by a wild animal or somebody stabs us or whatever, that's the opening to feeling. There's nothing bad going on, you know. And then we would stop and say, why are we not opening to feeling? And and if it's a wild animal that's doing it. It can portray part of us that we didn't know. And like maybe we broke out in anger the day before and it scared us in a sense, but we didn't own it. And so we kind of explore it in the dream. So, you know, so the nightmare is just really energy that's trapped somewhere. And because it's not being tapped, our powers diminish. It's the root of empowerment. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I I remember my therapist offering me this advice when I was having these nightmares of, you know, what if this is your body's way of processing something that you've been unable to process in your waking state because it's been too painful. And I think that's really exactly what you're you're saying too is it's it's energy that's stuck that hasn't found, you know, a way to be released, to be acknowledged, and this is the way that it's coming out is in your dreams. Mm-hmm. And which you would say then, if somewhere maybe let's say ninety percent of people will not remember what they dreamt last night, you know, nature designed us that way. So, so we don't have to remember the nightmare, you know, for us to be going through these healing scenarios in the psyche while we sleep. It's still going to change us. But what I find is that the nightmare, because of the fact that it's 
louder. I use that word sort of, you know, descriptively. You know, it's, it we tend to remember it because it's maybe it, it's like a wake up call to address something that's pretty significant. You know, like I'm not sure what your nightmare was, but you know, the fact that you were remembering it maybe was a call to kind of wake up to it because by owning it or allowing the healing to occur or whatever, you would be more authentic and more happy and more, you know, 100% of who you are. That's really and interesting. One, one nightmare I see a lot that I think it would be good for your listeners, especially if it, if it's kind of got a feminine feminine leaning, yeah. is I've seen a lot of um, very successful women that have like achieved a lot, you know, have a great income, power role in some sort of corporate life, whatever. And they have a dream of a stalker. Like they're uh-huh. trying to lock the door. Somebody from the outside yeah. is trying to get in. And it's gotten to the point where if I meet somebody, sometimes like just in a social situation or whatever, I remember this lady said something about the stalker dream. I could describe her childhood. You know, I was like, okay, you were the mother in the family, right? Like, and your parents divorced. And then your mother, you had to be more of like a sister to your mother. And your mother didn't like take the reins and you resented that. And then your mother resented you for resenting that. So you became the black sheep, but you were still taking care of everyone in the family. And you demonstrated this incredible caregiving skill. And that's why you're so empowered. And that's why you're so successful. And that's why you can lead people to achieve such great results. So who is that stalker? Who is the stalker that's trying to break into your house? The black sheep. It, the, the stalker is a side of us that was pushed away. We didn't understand. Like I grew up my whole life saying, no, I'm not a black sheep. Like I am not a bad person. I am powerful. I am going to win. I'm going to succeed. And yet this little girl that mommy didn't like because we had this disagreement has a life and she wants to come in and sleep in her own bed. And even if it appears as a man, because men and women's dreams can represent the animus, not so much like, you know what I mean? Like the like I see the women in their dreams representing more feminine feminine things like instinct and intuition, sensitivity. Men in dreams can represent empowerment, how I provide for myself. So the man stalker trying to get into the house is a part of her, you know, professional identity that needs to come in and be understood, loved, accepted. So so that, that's what I'm saying is I just from the dream, I can describe it. And they're blown away that I, but it's a very common scenario, which brings me to the idea that our parents didn't come with instructions, you know, on parenting. And they're, a part of them lives within us. I mean, yes, we're a unique variation of both lines of our parents, but they're still part of us. And when you get to the point where you realize, yeah, my mom and I had a bad relationship when, we, when I was young, let that be okay. Heal yourself, forgive, let go, recognize that, geez, my, you know, my dad left and there was my mom and she didn't know what she was doing when she was young. And she was, you know, like, don't take, uh, you, you hear what I'm saying? Like that forgiveness is actually something we're giving to ourselves. Like, like just let parents make mistakes, you know, if it wounded you, get in touch with it, get past it, learn to, learn to see what was really happening and have have forgiveness for yourself, and then have forgiveness for them, you know, like, I don't know if that makes sense, but. Oh, of course it does, absolutely. And so 
I, what I'm extracting from this when it comes to nightmares of all kinds, whether it's like a stalker, and I even imagine like, and maybe you have more more thoughts on this one with like running late. Like I hear a lot of people have dreams where they're like running to the airport and they're not going to make the plane and always behind or they're, they need to mail something and they can't get there. These These stressful dreams. It sounds like instead of taking the focus of how do I get these dreams to stop? It sounds like to take a moment in waking state to extract some of the meaning and the wisdom. Is that Absolutely. is that like, why, is that accurate? Yeah, like why am I dreaming this? And being late to a class to take a test is a different dream altogether than being late to catch a flight. Mm. You know, so it's not so much that the being lateness is being examined, you know, that you would say like the ambition of flying off, like flying tends to relate more to our ambitions. So being late to get to the next stage where we want to go to feel successful would be the airport type dream where being, you know, in a school and being tested and being late for the test or whatever brings us more to like, you know, the learning experience that we're having and, you know, where we are maybe measuring up or how we feel about how we're measuring up. So, but yeah, the fact that something's repetitive, I guess, would be, you know, is all the more reason to stop and consider why that's happening. And you'd mentioned in the beginning about the teeth falling out. So I wanted to address that because you're right. It's a very common dream. And in life, our teeth fall out at two stages when we're leaving like, well, our teeth fall out as babies and then we become little kids and little people. (laughs) And then we lose some wisdom teeth and we become adults. And then we lose all of our teeth maybe and get dentures and go into old age or, you know, so teeth falling out, it can represent like change shifts in sort of wisdom or life stages. But I also see the teeth falling out dream relating to credibility. A lot of times we might have spent the day saying stuff that wasn't true. <laughs> Not that we were lying. We just didn't realize that what we we're saying wasn't true. So that night we dream and our teeth are falling out, which is the whole trickster which I would love to touch on. The, yeah. I call it the trickster because there's energy in the psyche that's laughing back at us. Like, oh, you're so full of yourself. Why don't you just, let's just have a little fun with me pulling the rug out from under you. So you would like, you just spent the day going blah, 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 blah. But then that night your teeth all fall out. And it's like, okay, what was I saying? And was it really me? Like, it's not that I was attempting to lie, but maybe it wasn't valid for me or I don't know, that sort of thing. That's helpful. And do you see that when people do take a moment to start to look into their dream and ask the questions of why and what does this mean that the nightmares or the super stressful dreams will subside? Absolutely. 100%. Okay. Absolutely. I see that. And another thing that starts happening, you know, so I want to be real clear that we don't have to remember our dreams. Like people don't have to get caught up in like, how can I remember my dreams? I mean, like, we can talk about that, but you don't have to remember your dreams. You're, it's just happening for you anyway. And everyone dreams every night. That's what REM, rapid eye movement, if you watch their little eyelids blinking, they're dream, They're in the dream state. They're, that's when they're starting to see and interact with this other world. So in terms of like remembering the dreams, yeah, once you once you address what it's trying to be said, that's when you see the repetitive. So a repetitive dream definitely needs to be addressed and you'll remember those dreams. Mm, Yeah, definitely. 
And now just a few tips for people who do want to remember them so that they can bring this work into their their own spiritual practice or do you have any ways mm-hmm. that people can start to remember them and and yeah. be in their dreams a little bit more vividly yeah so the other thing i was going to say too is that what i notice is people that are remembering their dreams and working with them start to recognize synchronicity so meaning that they start to see the correlation between once when you're looking at your dreams you can see how you're constructing reality and the more that you see that the more you come back to life and see how you're constructing reality. So you start to see the crossover between the inner and the outer, and it's sort of, it's quite fascinating. And when I'm doing dream work with people, that's the one thing that they're like, that blows their mind, that they have that synchronicity. So when I was saying before that we have more of a right brain area, that we're dreaming more of in the creative, inspired, visionary sort of place, knowing that the left brain is going to be logic, fearful, what's wrong, what's out of place, it doesn't want to remember the dreams. When you're waking up, don't be so quick to just go ahead and wake up and start thinking about everything that has to be done today, blah, 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 I got to get to where I'm going. Like, be gentle, like, be, so, so, like, as you're waking up, see if you can just remember one symbol from the dream, because you don't have to, I see a lot of times the dream is repetitive, the theme is repetitive. And so just one symbol, like like last night, my scorpion was the only thing I had to really remember from that dream, you know, and, and th- to think about what does a scorpion represent, you know, and all the things I can find out about it, a scorpion and astrology, scorpion and the scorpion men from the old mythologies, you know, like what it, what was it? And, and another thing I find that can be helpful is when I remember that scorpion part of the dream, I would say the word scorpion, and as I'm waking up, that word scorpion, and I don't think about it, just write it down, that seems to be like the first step to remembering your dreams. And when people remember their dream, and then they find that, it's like, you know, everyone's talking about some great series that's on Netflix or whatever, and you don't pay any attention, then one day you tune in and you can't turn it off, (laughs) because you like get swept up into it. I think that happens too with doing dream work because once like you today you shared some dreams with me and I sort of did some interpretations with you and you'll now start to interpret your dreams more and the more that you do that the more that you get excited that there's this guru inside of you like there's some part of us now this is what I don't attempt to define is it God is it the higher self is it you know the soul is it nature I don't know I said you know but some part of us knows where we're going, understands us better than we know ourselves. So it seems like as we start little by little to work with our dreams, we remember them more. We, you know, we have, we have less of a, of the propensity to dismiss or turn away from the opportunity to awaken into our power. Goodness. So amazing. What do you wish more people knew about dreams? I feel like you've shared so much, but is there anything that you really just wish people knew more about? That it's not another world. It's the same. It's like we live inside of our minds. And so it's one mind. And the fact that our dreams create an experience that we believe is real should be enough to show us that maybe we're creating the experience that we think is real by day, meaning that we have the power to have a different experience. Mm. Oh my gosh, so incredible. 
Carrie, I have one last question for you. Where in your life are you still working on embracing your too muchness? Um, only in worry, right? Mm-hmm. Like I would say every year I get better at living in the just isness of everything where I don't judge others, I don't judge myself, I don't judge time, I don't judge what's unfolding. Mm-hmm. I show up and wonder. So there but but we're all human and sometimes I have a tendency to worry. And worry is the opposite of showing up in just in just isness. Mm-hmm. So I don't, that maybe that like I don't know if too if your too muchness has to be kind of a, a negative or a positive, but it's it, at the same time everything that's negative becomes the ballast to become positive, right? Mm. Whatever whatever limits us is also the springboard to more success. So kind of like on one hand I could say I wish I worried less, but at the same time that's all funding my inspiration to keep keep being in my justiceness. Oh my so goodness. Just, I don't know if that I, answered your question. Oh, it, it it answers it in a way that like I, I just I couldn't I couldn't ask for a more perfect answer because <laughs> you just explained my you you answered the question of is too much as a negative or a positive and it's 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 neither. It's really just the lens to which you view it. And that's mm-hmm. why I love to ask it because it's it's always something typically in the women that that come on this show have built these beautiful lives and these this work and this like a, a true living legacy because they followed things in in their self that probably felt like too much right and mm-hmm. so your worry to you for whatever reason right the energetics around worry often does feel like it's too much even a little worry can feel like mm-hmm. a lot but it's the very thing that you're saying is the catalyst and the driver mm-hmm. to pursue and to still have curiosity and to still have some some work and and wonder to, to have which as the you know universe would provide is exactly what my dream was last night because mm-hmm. in that dream there was all these people putting their hands inside some thing and i was worried of them get, getting stung so you know what i'm saying so like the yeah. worry <laughs> of but it but even getting stung is a beautiful thing in the scorpion transformational archetype world you know does that make sense? Oh, it does. It's <laughs> it's so full circle. It's so beautiful, Carrie. I mean, there is so many more things I want to ask about loved ones visiting and prophetic <laughs> dreams and everything. But if you would be so inclined at some point, I'd love to bring you back because this, yeah, this sure. is just you know an endless, yeah. endless topic. And then where would you recommend for our listeners to connect with you if they want to work with you to analyze their dreams and, and help to have some healing, like truly, like what I just experienced, the peace in my body of just those two quick interpretations, this work is so powerful. So what's the best way for people to connect with you? Well, my website, Cafe A Soul, it's sort of a home of, uh, like you can look through a dream, you can type your dream into this cloud and it has like all of the, it has like a dream dictionary. And for people who don't remember their dreams, I have like other oracles. I have the number one Yijing, which is a, which which comes from you know ancient Taoism or whatever a tarot thing or whatever because I feel like the psyche wants to have an experience and that's the what I notice is people will bring an oracle reading and it will be identical to what their dream is trying to say so I kind of have have all that self help stuff on the website but they you know on that site you can find 
I have like a Nature as a Guru YouTube channel. Um, there's a, you know, different programs that I do one-on-one -on -one work with people. They can contact me through that website and find all my social links in there, I guess. Beautiful. Well, that sounds great. Everything will be linked in the show notes too. Carrie, thank you so, so, so much for coming on and just, yeah, inspiring me endlessly to play with my dreams and to have some real curiosity and also compassion for them. And so thank fun. you. Have and fun. fun. <laughs> okay, well, it's nice to meet you and I appreciate being on your show. Sounds good, Carrie. See you soon. <laughs> <laughs>